issues, Moses is the guy. But really, Moses was the guy for that season, and God has a new guy that he wants to use in the next season. And I think one of the greatest lessons that all of us can learn is that in whatever role we play in this world, we are just an intern. That we will be here for a season, and if the Lord tarries, there will be another person standing in our place. And it reminds us that the only irreplaceable person is God. What role are you playing in the kingdom of God right now? If you're following Jesus, then it's something he's led you into. It's important, and it's making an impact. But as you'll learn today with Pastor Daniel, that impact will be temporary. At some point, God will move you on to a new task, or he'll call you home. But he won't leave the work undone. God is preparing someone to step into that place, and he's preparing you for what's next, too. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Deuteronomy chapter 31 as he begins his message, A New Leader. So let's open up in our Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy chapter 31. Deuteronomy chapter 31 as we really are in this very last section here of the book of Deuteronomy of what we commonly call the Pentateuch. This very last section, see, the scene is at that point now where we're moving between Moses and Joshua. It's time for a brand new leader in the life of the children of Israel. Moses has been leading them for some 40 years. If you remember the way Moses' life broke down, Moses spent 40 years being raised, although a Jewish man, as a son of Pharaoh's daughter, an adopted son. Commentators have said that Moses spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. He was like a prince. And then he ended up, if you recall, in the beginning of the book of Exodus, he ended up killing a man and he ended up fleeing into the wilderness. And he spent 40 years tending his father-in-law Jethro's sheep. So he spent 40 years thinking he was somebody. He spent 40 years learning that he was nobody. And then God called him, and then as God called him, he was able to be used of God for that final 40 years of his life. So 40 years of being built up, pumped up almost, puffed up, 40 years of being humbled, and then 40 years of usefulness. And what I love about that, when you realize that that's kind of been the story of Moses' life, is that you realize that in every life there's a season And in every season, there's a lesson to be learned. And really, the last lesson that Moses is going to learn is that he is not essential for the work of God's kingdom. And I think that's an important lesson, especially you think of someone like Moses. Moses was what we would call today a high-capacity leader. Moses is the kind of guy who you're like, man, if you want a guy you're going to choose to run your company, Moses is that guy. I mean, he led all these people all through the wilderness and through all these issues. Moses is the guy. But really, Moses was the guy for that season, and God has a new guy that he wants to use in the next season. And I think one of the greatest lessons that all of us can learn is that in whatever role we play in this world, we are just an interim. That we will be here for a season, and if the Lord tarries, 
there will be another person standing in our place. And it reminds us that the only irreplaceable person is God. And the rest of us, we do our best with the time that we have and we trust the Lord with the process. You could imagine for the children of Israel, especially those who have been wandering in the wilderness, those young folks, the idea of Moses not being there would be horrible, extraordinary. But God's got the next man that he wants to use, the next person he wants to use. And so let's jump right on in. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 31, verse 1, it says this. It says, Then Moses went and spoke these words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out and come in. Also, the Lord has said to me, you shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. And you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord had said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites, and their land when he destroyed them. The Lord, verse 5, will give them over to you, that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses, verse 7, called Joshua and said to him, In the sight of all Israel, be strong and of good courage. For you must go with the people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear, nor be dismayed. So we find that this address, it's today I'm 120 years old. He's like, I've been around for a while, and I can no longer continue to do what I was doing. I can't go out and come. And and listen, I've never met someone who's 120 years old, but I can, I love to talk with my grandparents. My grandfather is 94. My grandmother is 90. You know, they've been married for 75 years. They still smooch. It's so cute, you know. I always ask my grandpa, I'm like, how'd you do it, man? And he's like, I'd give your grandma smooch every day. And I'm like, grandma, how'd you do it? She's like, well, I never owned a gun. And so it all makes sense, you know what I mean? God bless them, you know. But it's funny, though, because, and I feel really blessed because my grandparents were like another set of parents growing up. They lived around the corner, and they were always a part of our lives. And when I would have a problem with my parents, I mean, they would have a problem with me. I never had a problem with anyone, you know. But I would go to my grandparents, and my grandma always had great food and love, and she always had sweets in the house. And and when my mom was, is Danny there? And, And my grandma would be like, no. But I totally was there, you know. My grandma was cool that way, you know. But I always talk to them about, you know, getting old. And it's funny because my, you know, my grandfather, now, he, you know, he's got a macular generation in his eyes, so he can't see. And he's got, he's, he's battled with bladder cancer for like 12 years. And, you know, so I call him like, how you doing? He's like, man, I'm falling apart. That's what he always says. He's like, but I still gave your grandma a smooch. That's what he always says. And she's like, yeah, but he can't see me when he does, you know? And so they're hysterical. I watch as my grandparents have gotten older, and I'm just so blessed by just how active they still are and how involved they are. And it's nothing more fun than watching your 90-year-old grandparents try and FaceTime with your kids, you know? Because, like, my grandma, she gets real close. Like, all you see is her eye. And I'm like, Grandma, you got to pull the thing back a little bit so they can see you. And she's like, but I want to be able to see them, you know? And so it's like, all oh, this big eye. It's really quite beautiful. 
But then I try and imagine what it's like to add another 25 or 30 years on their life, and that's where Moses is standing. And he's like, I just can't get around like I used to. I'm getting older. And not only is he getting advanced in years, but Moses also realizes, notice what it says at the end of verse 2, you shall not cross over this Jordan. So if you recall, in Numbers chapter 20, Moses made a fatal mistake. Do you remember the children of Israel had been frustrating to Moses, and they were constantly rebelling against what God was doing. And remember, one time they needed water, and God said, yes, Moses, you know, if you uh, strike the rock with your staff, water will come out. And sure enough, God told Moses that, and Moses did it, and water came out, and the people had everything that they needed. And then the next time, God says, I don't want you to strike the rock, I just want you to speak to the rock. And if you speak to the rock, then the water's going to come out. But Moses, remember, he was angry, he was frustrated. If you recall in Numbers 20, he struck the rock. He hit it twice and he yelled out, you rebels, am I supposed to bring water out of this rock for you? Now, what was amazing is his water still came out of the rock. But Moses learned that he had, his transgression would keep him from the promised land. Now, really easy, you think about that and you need to say to yourself, so like, was that really that big of a deal? And according to the Lord, It was a huge deal. And the reason it was such a huge deal was because the rock is a picture of Jesus. You learn that in the book of 1 Corinthians. You have all these verses, the stone which the builders refuse has become the chief cornerstone and picks up in 1 Peter chapter 2 and lots of other places. So the stone is Jesus. Now, if you think of the picture, when we have a need, and water in the Bible is a picture of what? The Holy Spirit, right? So if you want to receive the Holy Spirit, first the... Rock needs to be struck with wood. See, the Holy Spirit comes because Jesus was crucified. He promised his disciples, listen, it's good that I go away, because if I go away, then the Holy Spirit will come. So the wood needs to strike the rock. Jesus goes to the cross, and then the Spirit comes out. But then the second time, does Jesus need to get crucified again? No, you just have to what? Ask. So Moses, in his frustration, ruined a perfect picture. But not only that, the reason it was not God's plan for Moses to bring the children of Israel into the promised land was because in the Bible, Moses is a picture of what? The law. The law came through Moses. Can the law ever get you to the promised land? No. Who can? Jesus. Do you know what the Hebrew name for Jesus is? Yahshua or Joshua. See, only Jesus can bring a person into the promised land. And listen, and that is why it's so important for us to remember that very easily in the name of Jesus, religion can happen. Because the way Satan gets at the people of God is he says, it's not all about Jesus, it's about Jesus plus the way you have to act. That you have to do all the right things and then God's going to accept you. And what happens is, is we create these whole systems of religion as if Moses can get us into the promised land. Listen, there's all sorts of people, and I don't judge them. They love Jesus, but they think God will only accept my worship if I worship on this day. As if like any other day when you gather together in Jesus' name, God's like, yeah, I don't want to hear you praising my name. I am infinitely glorious, but I will not accept it on Sunday. And people come up with this stuff, and then they're like, you know, if you worship Jesus, but, you know, like, you do this thing, or you don't do this thing, and it's like, no, that's religion. And religion doesn't get anyone in the promised land. 
And what's interesting is it's easy for all of us to see legalism or works righteousness when other people do it, but I think oftentimes we have a lousy, do a lousy job seeing it when we do it. Like, I, you know, when I think about this, I start asking myself, so who have I judged today? Who have I looked down upon for some reason today? And that's the same thing, isn't it? Where it's like if someone doesn't live up to a standard that I think that they should. And so Moses realizes that they're on the banks of the Jordan and it's time for them to go in. And he's like, it's actually not my job to bring them in. Now, I think it's also important at this point, and I think this is something that we don't do so well, and I think we struggle with, is understanding what our role is and isn't. You know, like, all the way back in Numbers chapter 20, Moses learned that he was never going to bring the children of Israel into the promised land. Now, don't miss the fact, you guys know that Moses made it in the promised land, right? Do you remember the New Testament, the Mount of Transfiguration? Who came and talked to Jesus? Moses and Elijah. And you kind of wonder this, like if we don't have this in the Bible, so I don't want to like, you know, pretend like it's in there. Imagine if the Lord came to Moses and said, Moses, okay, you got two choices. You can either bring the children of Israel into the promised land, or you can see my son, the Messiah in the promised land. Which one do you want? I think Moses was like, I, I want to be with Jesus in the promised land. You know, I mean, it's not in there, but if you think about it, you start thinking, wow. So it wasn't Moses' job to bring him in, but we also... One of the biggest struggles I think all of us have is understanding what our role is and isn't. And I think a lot of the judgment we do come up with is thinking that certain things are our responsibility when they're really not. Not being content with this is the place that God has given me to function. And will I be faithful in that place? You know, I look at that in my own life where it's like, I'm like, Lord, will you help me be faithful with what you've entrusted to me And I need to pray for people with what you've entrusted to them. And Moses realizes that it's not his job. It's Joshua's job. And so what's beautiful is even before it's Joshua's job to lead them in, in verse 3, Moses is rock solid because he says, the Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you. And you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. So he's reminding them, listen, I'm not going, but the Lord is going before you. And the Lord has promised you this land and Joshua. And God already said that Joshua is going to be the guy who's going to go on in. So God's program for the nation did not depend on any human leader. It depended on God's power to fulfill his own promises. So he reminds them in verse four, of course, about Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites who were defeated. You read about them in Numbers 21 and Deuteronomy chapter three, all these different places. But notice it says in verse five, the Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage, Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Now, I want you to notice a few things there. First, in God's deliverance of these nations to the children of Israel, he doesn't say, I want you to treat them however you want to treat them. He says, I'm going to deliver them over to you, and I want you to treat them 
how my commandments teach you to treat people. Now, I think that's really important because as followers of the Lord, we have to learn how to be subordinate to the word of God and the ethics of the Bible and not just what we come up with. Because I think what goes on is that you can imagine, I mean, in the midst of a, a battle between these nations and all the stuff that goes on, that there could be a good bit of vengeance that goes on. A good bit of like, you oppress my people and I'm going to get you back and then some. This escalation of tension. And he's like, no, no, no. I actually want you to treat them in all the ways that I've commanded you to treat people. And we always have to remember, we want to learn our ethics from the scriptures and not from the culture. Because every culture, as opposed to the scriptures, are very severe. Every culture ethically is more severe than our Bibles because the ultimate ethic is the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior who would take off his outer garment and although the Lord, he would wash his disciples' feet. The Lord who would say, if somebody is thirsty, give them something to drink. If somebody is needy, you take care of them. If somebody is broken, you are moved with compassion and you help them. So even in the midst of conflict, we do not enter conflict in the same way as the world does, but we learn to treat people in accordance with God's word. And not only that, I love verses six, and you get a repeat of it in verse eight. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God He is the one who goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, I think all of you need to take your pen and you need to go and you need to underline it in the person next to you's Bible. Just circle that verse right there. Seriously, though, it's like how many of us need to hear this all the time? Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid. Isn't that an important word? Don't fear, don't be afraid, be strong, be of good courage. Now, I'm not talking some like pop psychology, some kind of like you're going to get work yourself up with these positive thoughts and these mantras, but really what it is, it's a reality because why? For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. See, this is a theological statement. I like to say it this way, because Jesus is real, we have nothing to fear. Because Jesus is real, when you step out, I mean, the children of Israel have never, like, 12 guys went into the promised land. Do you remember the story, the 12 spies? And they came back with all this fruit, and 10 of them were like, there ain't no way we can take that land. It's not possible. The giants, there's walled cities, all this fruit, we can't do it. And two guys, Joshua and Caleb, were like, no, no, yeah, it's all true. It's all crazy over there, but God is with us. See, this is a theological reality. This isn't some sort of like you go to a, you know, a weekend seminar with your favorite pop guru and you feel like really good after it. This is like, this is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We say here across, we want to simply respond to Jesus, right? Here it is. You want to simply respond to Jesus? Don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Be strong. Why? Because no matter where you go, the Lord is with you. And isn't that how Jesus spoke? At the end of Matthew's gospel, when he said what? And lo, I am with you, what? Always. Even until the end of the age. And in case anybody is looking for wiggle room, what does always mean? Always. You guys are deep Bible scholars. Always means in always. When it says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, he means it. 
It means that no matter where you are, my pastor, John Henry, who I love with my whole heart, I'm so grateful for this guy, he used to say to me, Daniel, you and God in any crowd is a majority. I love that line. The question is, is do I believe it when push comes to shove? And that's the question for us today. See, this is where faith comes in. See, faith, as the Bible teaches us in Hebrews 11, verse 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So when it says that I will never leave you nor forsake you, God is saying, you may not see me, but I am there. And will you trust me? Because I'm telling you that I'm there and I am faithful even when you don't see it. I'm sure for a lot of you right now, you're hearing this and you're like, yeah, but. Because that's what I do when I hear that. I'm like, yeah, but. And I used to think of a pastor. He used to say, ah, yeah, but. You got yeah, but disease. You got to cure that yeah, but disease. Because God knows, God knows That when we don't see him, we're going to doubt. So then you have what I see versus what the word of God tells me. And if you're one of those people who you're filled with fear, you're afraid, you're not strong and courageous. The reason that is, is because you're forgetting that the Lord, he's the one who goes with you and he'll never leave you. Everywhere you go, he is there. He was there Before you got there, he knows the needs of every step of the journey. And he's trustworthy. And you think about the legacy of this man, Moses. You think about what he's doing here. I mean, this is a leadership transition. He is installing his successor and he's telling the people, listen, you have nothing to be afraid of. Not because I'm here or Joshua's here, but because the Lord is here. And my friends, this is good biblical discipleship right here. You always know when you're in trouble when a leader wants to link you to themselves. When a leader wants you, at best a leader could say, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul said. That's the best a leader can do. But a biblical leader is somebody who wants to link people to Jesus. And that's what Moses is doing. And what's beautiful is he says this to the people. He installs Joshua and he reminds them who the Lord is. And then in verse 7, then he speaks directly to Joshua in front of all the people. And so If you know leadership terminology or leadership philosophy, this would be called Moses is getting Joshua buy-in. He's bringing Joshua for all the children of Israel. And then he says, you, Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord your God has sworn to their fathers to give them. And you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you, verse 8. He will be with you, and he will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And what's really beautiful, of course, if you know your Bible, is that Joshua quotes almost these exact words often in his own book. Jesus is real. As Moses' ministry winds down, a new leader needs to step up, and God has already been working on it. He's appointed Joshua to the role. Joshua has been with the Israelites through everything, so he's well aware of their history. And God's been working in his life to bring him to this new role. Pastor Daniel shared today how this transition was to take place and how God would use Moses to make it successful. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel and I want to be honest with you for a moment. Life is messy 
And the hard reality is, if it isn't messy for you now, it will be, and it probably has been in the past. Did you know that you can still thrive in tough times? It's true, but only through the power of Jesus. That's the purpose behind my book, Honestly. I want you to know how to keep living your best life in Jesus, no matter the circumstances. You can find out more about it and get your own copy at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Hey, I wanted to remind you that each day on Facebook, Pastor Daniel shares a simple two-minute message. In this message, Pastor Daniel draws out an important biblical truth that really helps set your day on the right path. So be sure to follow Pastor Daniel Fusco on Facebook and share these two-minute messages with your friends and family. Come back next time when Pastor Daniel shares a pretty clear commandment from God. Don't be afraid. Easy, right? You're probably already shaking your head no. There's just so much turmoil in the world. How can you not be afraid sometimes? But Pastor Daniel will remind you that you have a refuge to run to, a strong, faithful rock to cling to in any storm. God is in control, so don't let fear control you. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.